You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words, what it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Hey, it's Dave Asprey with Bulletproof Radio. Today's cool fact of the day is that if men eat celery, it can actually make them more attractive to women. Chewing celery releases androstenone and androstenol odor molecules into your mouth, which travel up the back of your throat to your nose. And then the pheromones boost your level of arousal, which kind of makes you a little bit turned on and causes your body to send off scents and signals that make you more desirable to women. On top of that, celery contributes to nitric oxide in your body. And if you, say, subscribe to my quarterly.co gift box every quarter, I actually send out nitric oxide test strips because when your nitric oxide levels are higher, you can get more blood into those regions where you want more blood when you're doing that sex kind of thing. So celery is kind of a good thing. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD+, levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. The reason I'm talking about this, as you might have guessed, is that today's guest is someone who knows a thing or two about sex. Our guest is Dr. Emily Morse, who's a sex and relationship expert and host of the top downloaded podcast, Sex with Emily. And people generally say, I'm going to go meet Sex with Emily, and it's kind of funny. 
Now, Emily, welcome to the show, first off. I'm so glad to be here. An honor. You've done some other interesting stuff. In fact, you are the weekly co-host of the nationally syndicated radio show Love Line with Dr. Drew. Exactly. That's how we met. Right? Yeah. I love doing it, it. I was kind of amazed. In fact, we'll talk about when I, we, when I met you on Love Line in a minute, but just so the audience knows, you've helped like millions of struggling couples have healthy relationships that include sex. Uh, you've been voted number one dating and sex expert. You've written a book called Hot Sex, 200 Things You Can Try Tonight. You're, you have a doctor of human sexuality and a BA in psychology. Like you're very well studied on this stuff yeah. and you have the best podcast name ever. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it helped. It helped. 10 years ago when I was starting, that's when podcasting was first starting and it was called Sex with Emily and it became popular quickly. I'm like, well, people are searching for sex, you know, that probably helped. But yeah. Thank you. I love it. I love the name. I love the brand. It's a good time. <laughs> Now, when when we first met, I, I was a little nervous, and it's because I'm, I've listened to Loveline for a long time, and I was honored to be a guest, but I also know that Dr. Drew tends to be a little bit, uh, just a little bit skeptical of supplements. And here I am, I make, I make supplements, like I make creative new things like Unfair Advantage and all these crazy things. Right. So I went in there, I'm like, you know, I, I believe in what I do, I think it's, it's backed by good science, but I was kind of wondering if he was going to come in and be like, oh, God, yet another, you know, yet another, you know, pill popping, whatever. Right. So I was kind of, pre I was prepared to, like, sort of just be myself and, and you know, share information. Uh, but I was blown away when, when you and Dr. Drew were like, uh, hey, like, uh, Bulletproof Coffee totally rocks. I'm like, did this just happen? Like, it was the coolest thing ever. So Oh, see, I, <laughs> I thought that you already knew they were fans walking in there because no. why you, I mean, MC2, they were talking about it forever. I mean, you're like their hero. And Mike and Drew, uh, Mike Cather with the other host, they didn't. Yeah. Have, they have their own podcast they used to do. They talked about you for an hour, like before you were on. So that's funny. That you oh, my that. goodness. I, then, I wasn't that well prepared. I hadn't heard their podcast. So I was like, I'm just going to go in and just see what happens. That's but so I was great. Kind of, well, you must have been very uh, surprised because it's funny because everyone is trying to come in and push supplements on Somebody came in a few weeks ago and he's like, whatever, this got crap and this got crap. <laughs> he doesn't like everything, but he loves bulletproof. So. Well, I, I was, I was really amazed and grateful. And then I got a chance to meet you and I got to admit, I don't listen to the radio in my car as much because my commute's like a hundred yard walk to my, my backyard. Uh, so I, I haven't been listening to the show as much as I, as I once did. And I was like, wow, like there's all this stuff that's happening. And I was particularly impressed with, with your perspective because studying sex as like a, a sexologist mm -hmm. is something that is considered, I think, still kind of risque. Yeah. But it's it's academically valuable and it's really useful. And I think it adds a lot of value because sex is one of those three human behaviors that get us in a lot of trouble. There's like being hungry all the time right. is one of the things. Um, always looking for whatever's next, like distractibility, and then always wanting to have sex with, with whoever or whatever's in front of you is the other third one. Yeah, so like, you've hacked one of the three. I did hack it. I did hack sex. I mean, that's kind of how I started. I was very curious. I've always been curious about relationships. That's kind of how it started with relationships. I've always thought that doesn't really make sense to me. What makes a happy relationship? I mean, I come from a divorced family. But still, we all know the divorce statistics. And then it always seemed that somehow sex was the culprit. I knew that it was always great at the beginning. But what seems to happen to couples when they're together for a while? 
So when I started my podcast 10 years ago, like in my living room, I just, it was the first year podcasting started. I invited some people over, gay, straight, married, divorced, and I just started grilling them. Like, what makes it work? How often do you have sex? When did the sex die? How do you keep it alive? And so I'm fascinated by it. And I think that too is everybody's interest. Like, there's no one that it really doesn't impact. And I think that everybody needs more information because we're constantly changing and growing throughout our lifetime, what we need what we desire, you know, with our partner or without a partner. One of the, the things I appreciate about your work is that you have this thing called Kegel Camp. <laughs> and and people might not know, listening, what a Kegel exercise is or that they apply to men. So will you explain what is a Kegel exercise and why should men uh, Yes, it's them? true, men and women. But men are always surprised that they can do them as well. Kegel exercises are the most important exercise you're not doing, I would say, because it's basically, it's your pee-stopping muscles. So the, the muscles that you use to stop and start the flow of urine, that's how you do them. You like hold tense for three seconds, five seconds, and you relax. And what they do is they strengthen the pel pelvic floor muscles. And for men, that's really important for, you know, prostate, for healthy prostate. It can help them with like ejaculatory control. Um, it can help them, you know, sexually, like, last, last longer, all that stuff. There's so many health benefits. And same for women. It helps women and for men have stronger orgasms. For women, it can help them with urinary continence after childbirth. Um, for men, it also improves bladder control. I mean, there's so many, and for women, bladder control as well. So it's like this, but the thing is, it's like any other muscle in your body. You go to the gym, we work out all the time, and doctors, your doctor will always tell you, you got to do your kegel exercises at certain times in your life, and no one ever remembers. And everyone says, it's so easy. You can do it at traffic lights, but no one remembers. So I've created an iPhone app that pops up every day and says, time for kegel camp. So every day at 1130 for five minutes, I do my exercises, and it makes such a difference. Um, and I was going to say, for men, also it can boost libido. I'm trying to get boost libido. I mean, there's so many sexual function, so many sexual challenges that people have that can be really be solved by kegel exercises. So, so I, I, I will admit I'm, I'm actually doing mine right now. Okay. <laughs> I love but. it. Five minutes. Oh, and then my app is 20. The funniest thing is it came out and like, who's going to like, who knows if anyone's going to like set the alarm? You know, you don't know. And it had 10 levels. And then everyone was like, I got to level 10. I want 20. So I got 20 because you can compete with yourself and each other. And so it's a good time. Does it, does it post your results to Facebook? It doesn't do that yet, but it could. I don't know if people want that. I thought you were working. Why are you doing your titles at work? I don't care about that. So it's like posting your Angry Birds score, but less angry. I like okay. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So Kaggle Camp is a good time. A while back, uh, this is maybe four years ago. I, I ran like a year-long experiment to, to for a quantified self-talk that I gave about. Ejaculation uh, in men, and the the Taoist teaching is that as you get older, you should have fewer ejaculations, not fewer orgasms, but fewer ejaculations as a man. Right. If you want to maintain your vitality, uh, first off, what do you think? Is that is that accurate? I think that it can be accurate, but I also think that you can go to extreme because it's also healthy to release to to, to ejaculate. So I think. It's like everything. It's like fasting. You know, you don't want to do it every single day, but sometimes it can yeah. help to practice that, to practice controlling it and not going over and just experiencing the orgasm without ejaculation. Some people's minds are blown right now. They're like, that even exists. But yeah, it does exist. And so, yeah, I mean, did you find it useful? I mean, I don't think it's 
a lifetime, you have a, you don't get your lifetime, but I think you probably learn a lot about yourself and it probably felt good and health benefits. What do you think? Well, I, I found this equation that was agent seven or agent years, um, minus seven divided by four. Okay. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's right. Age, age minus seven divided by four. Okay. And what happened then uh, was you do that, and that's the number of days that, that results. So for me, it was like eight days. So that means I should ejaculate every eight days, or I, I should have more days between ejaculations in order to maintain my male stamina kind of right. thing. And, and this is like thousands of year old stuff, and it could be total BS. So I, I, I tracked my daily happiness. Uh, following this, like sort of my satisfaction with life. And I also tested there, if you want to live forever, you should only ejaculate every 30 days kind of thing. And that's like work. I, I mean, I, I failed those experiments more often than I was successful because you're like, oh, day 18, gee, sorry, that was a right. mistake. I guess I'll start over. But, but 18 I, so is I still just, pretty good, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. And like I published this, all this data, like frequency of sex and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is kind of embarrassing, but also kind of funny. And what I found out was that, uh, at least for me, they were right. Like when you have fewer, uh, fewer ejaculations, you have a lot more sex because you're interested in sex more. Right. And and there's a total like two or three day ejaculation hangover. Like after you ejaculate, you're like, I'm like I'm, I'm kind of just less interested in things and I'm more impatient. And I didn't believe that was true, but in my own data, it was true. That's interesting. So the oxytocin, like, did you feel like it didn't spike as much and crash? So that you didn't have that crash and burn that a lot of men have after that, or was it still getting like the feel good hormones, but without the wanting to escape and turn the TV and leave? Going to yeah, you, you get all the oxytocin, but you're still like, oh yeah, like like less like you know, leave me alone. I want to go do my thing now. Uh, uh, unless, like, I'm just going to fall asleep and ignore you for right, a while. Right, yeah, exactly. You felt, ha- so you felt happier overall. I mean, you wanted to- so, Like, I liked my job better. I liked my, you know, I liked everything better, which was not what I was recommending or not what I was expecting at all. And and so I, I talked about this, and, like, this is one reason that you might consider not masturbating all the time and using Internet porn. This is going back, like, oh, four I years ago. Oh, I agree this, yeah. Yeah. So always, yeah. But, but, but so then you stopped, or you still practice it every once in, like, every... Um, I just became aware that that ejaculation has a biological cost for men and probably not so much of one for women. And so that I should do it consciously and like, okay, like today's a good day to ejaculate or maybe I'll just have sex, but not ejaculate. And I'm I'm okay with either one. Whereas before it would have been like, if I don't ejaculate, I'm going to die. And that's actually not true. Right. No, that's such a good lesson to learn. I think, I think they're absolutely right. And it can stop because men are now many, the porn, everything becoming addicted to that. And raising a level of what stimuli, you know, turns them on and what, what gets them going. So there's, you know, as we all know, porn, everyone's watching a lot of porn and ejaculating way too much these days, I think. Do you believe in, in dopamine resistance? Like people who are just exposed to like this you know, crazy porn online or just lots and lots of sex that they just get resistant to the, those feel good chemicals? Yes, I do. I do. And I think you have to keep raising the bar and raising the bar. And this is what's making me so nervous about like today's youth and how kids are learning, children are learning about sex is because I do think you become resistant. If you see this thing on porn and you keep raising the bar, that's way more interesting than having sex with your partner. So I just think you got to abstain. People who, you know, we get, we get calls all the time on Loveline. I get emails every day to my show. And it's funny because after 10 years, it used to just be women were just confused. Usually really younger women, but it's actually all women. They're like, I don't understand why men have to watch porn. This is the problem then. If he's got me, we're having great sex. We're in love. They don't get that, that, that masturbation for men is 
is a, is a requirement. It's totally something different. Like I might go shoot young Zappos at night, right? I might go shoe shopping, a guy might mas- you know, masturbate. And you guys are it, it's like part of him taking care of himself. However, now I think it's a whole other thing because porn is so readily available. And then what the kids are watching is just way over the top of what, what you've ever, what they've ever seen before. You know, you used to see magazines. And they keep raising the bar with each other. Like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? So when they have real sex and partner, actual sex, it's not going to feel the same. And also, um, they're not going to want to, uh, what was I going to say? That it's not going to feel the same that they're raising the bar. And I do think there's a dopamine resistance. Oh, and also the thing about porn is that, and I'm not knocking porn. I think it's, you know, there are some good use for it. But my, my biggest issue with these days is that, that that's how people are learning about sex. And this is people of all ages. We're like, well, she clearly is having a lot of orgasm and looks like she's having a great time, but people don't remember that it, it, it's a fiction, it's a film. And so he's cheating towards camera and if his tongue is doing that thing, that would not feel good. I'm like, you are nowhere near anywhere on the body that tells you right now. So while porn can be titillating, it's not the best place to learn technically what to do sexually. A lot of schools uh, just have no, I mean, they're not going to teach this. In fact, I would say most schools aren't going to teach that sort of thing. So if you're, you know, a, a teenager um, or just even a young adult who's not particularly experienced, where would you go to learn about sex? Because like, like when I was a kid a long time ago, back when we didn't have like the wheel and everything, um, like you would maybe talk with your friends about it or look at a magazine. But like animated gifts didn't yeah, exist exactly. yet, so like. <laughs> you know, and it hasn't changed. I think that we had um, less education and probably not as good at quality education. I think it's still not as good, but yet there's more porn trumping anything they might have learned, and that's where they're learning from. So I would say today, I don't think they're really teaching it in schools that well. You know, they're still afraid to talk about masturbation, which is what I think that like, especially for women. Well, first of all, to answer your question, I think that like listening to podcasts, educating yourself, there are some like. Our bodies ourselves, or um, Scarletine's a great site for teens to go learn about sex. Um, that's a really good one. Um, I have a lot listening to my podcast, um, Sex with Emily. I think, but the problem is, is that that parents are like, oh yeah, we're open talkers about it, but kids aren't going to really go to their parents and learn about it. And again, they're not teaching it in schools. And what I think is really important, especially for women, I finally had this really uncomfortable talk with my, I had the sex talk with my niece who's fifteen. And my family is always, I have three nieces. And they're like, we can't talk about, and that's, you know, they're proud of me, but, you know, my mom's like, are you going to be talking about oral sex when you're 70? You know, they like it. It's helping, you know, people. But I said to her, I said, listen, the reason, because one of the reasons I started my show is because I came from a very liberal family, and they, and my mom said to me, talk to me about sex. Do you have any questions? Well, I didn't have any questions. Never went to her, but the weird thing was I got to college, I started having sex, and people were talking about this thing called orgasms. And I was like, well, what the hell is that? Like, and I certainly didn't think sex was anything that great. Well, it never even occurred to me. Now, this is rare, but it didn't even occur to me to, to do that. Touch myself, I didn't even know it was an option. Now, for a lot of women, they're riding a bike on their five, and they're like, oh, that's feeling. Men don't have the same problem. So what I said to my niece was, I know that you hear a lot about what I do, and they made it a little bit taboo. I said, but the most important thing is, for women especially, is that if you do masturbate or when you do, it's really important to learn your own body, learn what makes yourself feel good, because no one else is going to be able to do that for you. And when you do start having sex, and if you are having sex, you don't have to tell me, but it's not just about his pleasure, it's about your pleasure as well. Because I think a lot of us are socialized, that, especially with porn, that women think that they're supposed to act and 
and, and move a certain way and do a certain thing, look, you know, look a certain way, do certain moves that's going to make him like you more and be attractive, but it's about you and your sexual pleasure. So I'm like, end of story. Okay. It was like a two minute conversation because she was getting very uncomfortable. But honestly, it, it sounds to me like I want to develop some kind of iPhone app or something or some kind of app, that, interactive app that parents can use with kids because my friends, my friends with kids call me all the time. They're like, I don't really know what to do. And I think it, there's still a huge dearth of knowledge for, for kids today to learn about. Well, there, there's a gap because there's like the, the high school biology class. Like, you know, this is a clitoris, right? right. But it's not necessarily a roadmap to finding it, but you sort of know it's in there somewhere. Um, and sort of here's the inner structures, but it, it's like, here's a picture of a guitar, but not how to play the guitar. Right, exactly. Right. They taught nothing. I mean, you remember like when Joyce and Elders, like uh, when she in ninety when she was a Surgeon General, I think in ninety two, when she when Clinton was president, she wanted to, to teach masturbation in schools, and she got fired because she thought it was a horrible thing. But that would have been an interesting thing to learn about, like where your clitoris is. I mean, it exists. It has eight thousand nerve endings. Like that's the only reason it exists is for pleasure. No one tells you that. So yeah, it'd be nice to have a roadmap, and that's what I do a lot. On my show is I, I, I really get down into the specifics and tonight I'm actually teaching a workshop, an oral sex workshop for men and women and I'm like, I've got anatomy charts, I'm breaking it down because I still think no matter what age you are, you can always learn more. I think that's my main message is that sex should, should be expansive and you should constantly be learning and growing and our bodies are changing too. So never stop learning what makes you feel good and communicating with your partner about it or if you're alone, experimenting with yourself. Because we kind of get stuck, I think, and we don't, we just kind of think this is how it goes, this is how I do it, and that's it, and that's sex, and what's for dinner, but sex is like this amazing thing that we can all experience so much pleasure, and I don't think that we even scrape the surface of what we can, but you did the, you know, Taoist prince, you did the tantric sex, and that's, that's very rare that people experience things like that. I mean, but you're one of those pioneers that do things like that. When, when, well, I, 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 was, I was doing something that was thousands of years old, so I was maybe a copycat. No, what I'm saying is, though, I don't know many, many men. I mean, in my industry, I do. But I'm just saying, it's like, what? there's so many things like that, like in the sexual world that you could learn about your body and train your body to experience more pleasure and more control. Like taking your body back, like not just letting it happen to you, not reacting to what's happening, but like paying attention to your body and realizing like it has all these tricks, like all these ways. One of the biggest effects that came from doing this, and, and it took about a year to do the experiment because like if you're going to test, what's it like to go one month without ejaculating and like getting to one month to do it two or three times, that's like three months, but the odds of you being perfect are not that high. Like I have these charts where I'm like, you know, day one, day two, day you know, 24, oops. Right. And you're like, ah, it, it's not all right. right. And, and you, you start over again. But Well, you're a perfectionist, what, but that's pretty good, 23, 24. Sure. <laughs> but but what, it, what it taught me was, like, there's that voice in your head, and there's a voice in your head that's like, eat, eat the cookie, eat the bagel. And there's a voice like, oh, my goodness, is that a threat? Like, do I need to kick that guy's ass? You know, and, and like, that whole, like, aggressive voice. But then that other sexual voice that's, like, constantly, like, basically clamoring um, I did like tame that so where like I can have desire, but I, I feel like it owns me less. And a few Bulletproof uh, listeners have reached out over the last couple of years and be like, Dave, I heard your podcast about that. I, I tried it and like 
I started a company. <laughs> I, oh, right. I got a giant raise. Oh, totally. Because all that energy goes somewhere. And if it's not going into porn and masturbation or like ejaculating and making new prostaglandins all the time, it goes somewhere. And, and I didn't discover that. That's like Napoleon Hill 101. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's an ancient practice. And I, I think that that's amazing. And everyone, yeah, because men, men don't, we always joke, men think about sex, you know, every five minutes. They kind of really do. You know, it's always on your mind, even if it's not conscious. So to remove that, and it is kind of like removing, like being on a diet or having, you know, having that kind of um, control and motivation and having that determination to be able to like stick with it, like you do with many things. So I think that that's, I think that can be useful. But I also think that men have to continue to. You can't do it for a lifetime, but it's a good practice. Oh yeah, no, that's not going to work. Well, all right, so here's another question for you. How long do men have orgasms? Like, how long is the average male orgasm, and how long is a potential male orgasm? That's a great question. Um, the typical male orgasm is between six and eight minutes. Four to yeah, four to six, four to eight minutes. Let's say. You said minutes now. Now, most people, when you say that, they imagine the guy turning himself inside out. Um, how does a, a male orgasm last for four to six oh, or eight I'm minutes? I'm sorry. I thought you were asking how long it takes him to orgasm. No, no, the actual orgasm itself. The orgasm itself lasts, I would say, about three to six seconds. It's three to six seconds. But you can train your body to have longer orgasms as well. So, so one of the other Taoist principles that was in the same thing right. that, that I – it was actually a, a translation of a, a Czech book that my wife had found a long time ago. Um, she speaks Czech, and so she was telling me about all this. She just made it up to torment me. I don't <laughs> think so. But um, it also said that the the male or that that you could, when you had your every thirty day um, orgasm or every thirty day ejaculation, you should limit your orgasm, not your ejaculation, but your orgasm, to not more than thirty minutes. And that was like, okay, if you guys are watching the video on iTunes, that was priceless because Emily's eyes just no, got super I big. People teach extended <laughs> orgasm from women. I know people teach courses on the extended orgasm yeah. for men and women. Okay, that's amazing. So were you able to do that? Well, I wasn't necessarily trying to, but I did get to the – it's very hard to run a stopwatch and, and have an orgasm. So, like, that's not – those aren't compatible, but the one time that we did that, um, it was more than eight and a half minutes. Um, and that sounds like, like it actually is like your abs hurt a lot. And you know, like, could I just stop please? Like, like literally like I I've had enough, please go away now. Um, which to me was a new experience, but there's all these things that your body can do around that stuff that are not taught anywhere that I know exactly. of. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're teaching some classes teach, that may touch on I do. Things. I know. I absolutely do. So there's also things about like, thing is that we have beliefs about our body. So there's a lot of ways that like women, for example, they think they can only orgasm one way. They think, okay, well, I know that I can only have a clitoral orgasm or I can't have an orgasm, orgasm during intercourse. There's only, the truth is that only 30% of women actually have orgasms during intercourse. But the interesting thing to that is, is that's a limiting belief. And it's because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it's not possible. So what I always teach people is that you don't know what's possible until you actually put the work in, just like you put the work in. So I, you know, last month, May is Masturbation Month, which is actually uh, after uh, Joyce and Elders, they started Masturbation Month. But I always said, you know, spend some time, spend 30 minutes a day, a week, just exploring your body. Like take orgasm out of the equation 
and, and figure out like what makes you feel good because, or I can't have a G-spot orgasm. It's not even during intercourse. They think, well, I've never had one, so therefore it's not possible. Well, maybe you haven't been with a partner where it's been possible. Like women often believe someday my prince will come and so will I. <laughs> and so they think, quote. well, he never came, so neither did I. But, the, but if you, there's so many toys out there. I mean, there's so many experiences that you can have. So, for example, in my office, um, the other day, we do intern sex toy review day. I get boxes and boxes of sex toys sent to my office every single day. We actually have a segment on our YouTube channel, what's in the box? You know, it's like flashlights or sex toys or whatever. So We Buy makes really, I don't know if you're in sex toys, but they make really great sex yeah. toys. They make a, a couple's vibrator, but they have this new one called the We Buy Touch. So one of my interns, um, she's like 26, so she's a little bit older for an intern, and she said, she, we were talking about my office, and we talk about everything, like women, all women, and one man, and she said to me, you know, I'm going to take this home, and we were talking about multiple orgasms, she said, I've never had one, I can't have one. I said, well, how do you, how do you know you can't have one? She was like, it just hasn't happened. I'm like, okay. Well, I wouldn't let me do that. Why don't you just see what happens? So she went home with this touch, and the next day, I didn't talk to her. She was on the show with the intern sex and she told me during the show that she had five orgasms that night. Yeah, because I made her believe that I, I, I guess I gave her hope that it was possible. And for her, it was possible. And now she's like, oh, and I had seven the other day. And now the thing is, it's not about just being alone. But now she knows when she's with a partner, she's like, I can do this. I can keep going. She's not limiting herself to that. So I think the same goes for like G-Spot. There's a lot of women that can't find that. Well, spend, it all goes into like spending time by yourself. In your room, and this women be like, I don't have time, I've got kids, i got whatever, but this is like fun homework. This is like take a bath, set, you know, set the atmosphere, because our brains are our largest sex organ. So we are distracted, which a lot of us are all the time. This means turning off your cell phone, lighting some candles, um, and just like, don't go right for the spot that you know, because we are also quick too, right? In our culture, we learn just to, get, to do it quickly and then we're done. But if you start to explore like other erogenous zones on your body, like you, what if you like the back of your knee, like could give you like the most amazing pleasure of your life, but you never find out until like your deathbed. That'd be so sad. There's so much more exploring to do and learning to do. So that's what I just encourage people to spend time alone or with your partner. Like how fun is that? Because as we know in relationships, often sex can become kind of stale or rote and couples don't really prioritize it or work on it. And then there's problems. But if they make that a goal at the beginning, which is I always tell couples, you know, you're going to prioritize your, you know, kids. You're going to decide if you want to live in the city or the country. You have a 401k. But what's your plan for your sex life? Like, how are you going to keep, you know, your house, your diet? But what about your sex life? And so constantly be, I don't know what, you know, go buy some toys together, learn, you know, take a sex class together. There's so many, like, there's these blended orgasm, extended orgasm. You know, I get invites every day to, like, Come to this massive extended orgasm seminar, like in somewhere in Northern California where I lived for a long time. I mean, there's always things like that. So I just think that, that anything that you want to experience actually, and even if you don't know that there's possibilities, there's a lot out there and it would blow your mind. And it's sex. Sex is fun. I think we've made sex really, really hard and challenging for a lot of people. It's become really like, it's become more of a challenge and more difficult for a lot of people than it is just pleasure. I'm trying so to bring the fun works, back into sex. This works pretty well if you have a partner, but you know, if you're relying on you know Tinder or Grinder or one of those sort of hookup apps like that, 
like you can have fun, but there's some risk that whole I'm going to get pregnant or some STD kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're dating, I mean, you absolutely should always use protection. Always. I mean, that's still not 100 percent, but but you should have condoms on you and use protection. Um, it is true that women are more likely to have orgasms and better sex with people that they feel that they can trust and that they're intimate with. That's true. However, if you are having casual sex, which I'd say a lot of people more than people are than not these days, if you still spend some time learning what makes you feel good, you know how to move when you're having sex with this person. You, it doesn't matter what he knows. You know how what you have to do to get yourself there. And so, yeah. and it's not a waste of a Tinder date. It can still be a good time. And, and plus, you know, if you know how to play your own instrument, like the other person's going to have a better time anyway. Right. Like most people, when they're having sex, they appreciate that the other person's enjoying themselves. Exactly. So. That's what men say. The number one thing about the, the, the questions I get from men are like, how do I please her? How do I make sure she's having a good time? You know, how do I make sure that she got off? Like, I, I don't know. And I, I want to know. Men are so curious about it. They really do want to please you. And that, that women feel pressure that they don't know how to please themselves or that it's taking too long and couples don't communicate about it. I always say communication is a lubrication. The more you talk about sex, the better sex you will have. And so I think it gets confusing. So women fake it. They're not, you know, but I think that the, if you know how to play your own instrument, show someone else, or I always say mutually mutual masturbation is a great way for couples to like learn what each other likes. And there's never, you know, don't, don't waste time having bad, unfulfilling sex. Life's too short. That makes good sense. I I asked a, a few bulletproof followers and all for questions that that we could uh, that we could ask you. And so I want to ask you a few of the ones that came up to the top of the list. Number one, promescent, the FDA delay spray that's you can put on, on as a man yep. so that you don't ejaculate too quickly that allegedly doesn't rub off and numb everything on your partner, which would be kind of counterproductive. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Okay, I have to say thumbs up. I've tried it. And, okay, so premature, so erectile dysfunction, Viagra, huge, right? Like billion, multi-billion dollar company. Everyone's got the blue yeah. pills. For premature ejaculation, there has been no FDA-approved FDA treatment until now. What they're giving men are antidepressants, which will delay your ejaculation. But then they've got all the side effects of antidepressants. So, well, so promescent is, it is a quickly absorbing delay spray. It's slightly numbing. You wait 10 minutes to have sex, and it doesn't transfer to your partner at all. And I've used it with a partner, and I've I've talked about it on my show and people have been really happy. And I know the owner of the company actually I in this business, we all kind of know each other. And he's like, I've never had anyone return it. I've never has had complaints and people just keep ordering it because there's really nothing else like it out there. So, cause the problem with, with the premature ejaculation is that, you know, it's mind, it could be physical, physiological, it could be in your mind. It's just a really hard thing. Kegel exercises do help, but you have to maintain them. And so if you can try this little spray and it works, all right, so so that's a that's a thumbs up. What about these new cannabis sex creams? Like, there's all sorts of yes. CBD oil, the what, coconut oil lubricant. I've heard I've heard some good things about it. I've heard if you're if you're not a marijuana smoker but you use it, so it's there's like the lubricant, and it's called Foria, the one that I know about that a friend of mine started, and it's basically coconut oil and and the HTC, and they. Um, mix it together and you use it and you wait a half hour 
You put it inside of you. It's totally body safe. And apparently women are having a lot of great orgasms from it. Some women, not so much. Now, if you already have a high tolerance or you smoke a lot, it might not be have the same impact. But, um, you know, I'm not against it. For if, if you have never had an orgasm or you're having challenges sexually, I mean, you could try it. I don't think it makes you really high or anything, but I... I, I've heard I've heard mixed things. I've heard like amazing changed my life. I had eighteen orgasms, and I've heard I you know it didn't do anything for me, and I broke out in a rash. <laughs> so assuming you don't get a rash, I, I know that uh, THC can raise alpha brain waves, and so does orgasm. In fact, you have a hard time having an orgasm if you don't have alpha in your brain. Right. So you could probably stack those two. Exactly. It, it would make sense. It does make okay. sense. So it absolutely does make sense. And the thing is, is that you, right, it's THC levels in your brain, you're more relaxed, you're more, I mean, everything. You can just kind of get out of your body. Because the reason why women, a lot of them can't have orgasms is because they are too much in their head and they're not relaxed. And if you're racing, yeah. So try it. Okay. Have a good time, people. All right, we'll do that <laughs> now. This is a, a question uh, from the um, some of the people on the Bulletproof team were saying, that, how do you give constructive feedback to men, stuff that they'll actually implement and actually remember? So this is obviously from one of the women on the team, yes. or maybe many of the women on the team. Oh, like sexual advice that they'll remember? In, in other words, like, that was good, do more of that. Right. I'm assuming this is what they meant. Or, like, basically, like, like, you you need to you need to do this more whatever it is but how do you give constructive okay. feedback like that didn't work for me and I want you to do it different next time but I don't want to offend you and I want you to actually remember okay. it so next time you'll do very, it very very carefully there first of all <laughs> you you don't want to be like that was horrible what did you do I mean it's kind of like the sandwich approach I always say the best thing to say is like I'm really enjoying our sex life that was so fun and what did you do last like last night that thing that you did at the end with your fingers that was amazing that blew my mind or in the moment you can say wow that feels really good the problem is and I know a lot of women have been frustrated with this and I'm sure men that they're like I told him he saw how happy I was he didn't remember and so then they take offense to the fact that they told him but sometimes you got to tell him a few times okay don't take it personally. You're in the heat of the moment. And so I think I always like to say that, you know, I love the sex life we're having. And like, I think it'd be fun to try new things and take it to another level. Like, let's say you want to experience experience something new. But if you want to guide them, you can just say, God, this just reinforce them in the moment too. wow, what you're doing there with your mouth. That feels amazing. Keep doing that. That's great. I mean, and if you're in pain, of course, you should speak up that you're in pain. But positive reinforcement tends to work best. And you might have to repeat it a few times. Don't get mad at your partner if they don't remember. There's a lot of things going on in their brain when you're having sex. Let's face it. Uh, orgasm is an altered state. And so if you told someone something when they were really yeah. drunk or really stoned, they didn't remember it, you wouldn't be surprised. It's like telling someone something right after they, <laughs> right after they came is not no. going to probably be a good time for learning. Not a great time for conversation, for deep conversations, right? You can cuddle and fall asleep. But um, no, keep telling them over. This is what I like. Because I also think that since couples have such a hard time talking about sex, because I get these emails all the time. They're like, well, I asked my wife if she would you know, dress up for me in a skirt one night and she didn't do it. And I'm really upset. And I'm like, well, how, you asked her once, you know, how many times you're like, well, yeah, I said it one time, but she doesn't care. I mean, he's like, well, buy her the skirt, take her shopping. Like think of another way to get the same result. You know, we all learn in different ways. So maybe you need to take his hand and guide him. Maybe you need to take her shopping. It's like the same thing. I tell couples who want to spice up their relationship. 
sometimes you need a third party and that third party can be going shopping at a sex toy store. It could be going online and buying something. It could be listening. A lot of couples listen to my podcast together. They buy a book together. They watch educational DVDs together. They, or they talk, or I always say, you know, exchange your, your three top fantasies that you have. Like what's your bucket list? Like you both write it down and you exchange it, see what you want to try. And if that doesn't work, because there's a lot of men who have told me that, my, my partner doesn't fantasize. She doesn't think about it. She doesn't think about sex. So a way to like break, like hack that is to say, okay, well then have her write down the three most memorable times that you guys have had intercourse. Like what, what are the, th- and then you'll learn a lot from that. She loved it when you were on the beach in Maui under the palm trees, or she liked it that time when you were in the shower, whatever it is, you're learning some useful information. Got it. All right. Hopefully, bulletproof team. Whoever asked that, hopefully that answer helps. They can you. just call, they can just email me directly too. All Thanks right. I, I think you're serious about that. I am. All right, and uh, we have your emails, so you may get an email <laughs> from some bulletproof people. All right. Next question from the team: Fifty Shades of Grey, real BDSM or sort of a bad representation? Oh God, that's a tough question. I mean. I think that if you've never seen BDSM before and you know nothing about BDSM, it's really, really confusing. You have no concept of why this woman would put up for pain, put up with this kind of pain. Is it because he's got a plane? Is it because he's so wealthy? So I, I think it's beautifully shot and I can see it's erotic and it can turn people on. And yes, that is BDS levels of BDSM. BDSM can also be putting a blindfold on your partner and giving them a massage with a massage candle, you know, like a little warm oil. So there's different ranges of it, but I don't think it was a great representation for people who really want to learn about BDSM to understand what it meant. I think it left a lot of people sort of confused, turned on, but with lots of questions. So what's the psychology behind it then, behind BDSM? Um, it's, it's power. It's about power play. It's about one person, you know, being dominant and the other person being just submissive. One person, you know, the, and I wouldn't even say it's typically the man, but in this case, I'll just say, let's say the man, um, wants to have, you know, enjoys having control and, and being able to control his, his slave or his partner and to do whatever he wants sexually, or, you know, there could be other things in your agreement. The thing about BDSM is that you do have, as they saw in the movie, is that there are rules and guidelines and safe words. It's not like you just come in and you can start whipping them with a cane. You know, you have it's set up. It's a process. And couples who are into it, they really get, it's their ritual. I mean, they get into it. They have their flogging gear and they have all their, you know, things. And it really is about control. And because um, the thing about sex that is so thick, is so enticing sometimes is when there is the power dynamic. Who's on top, who's on bottom, who's in charge, who's not. And a lot of times it is the man and women, I really get to be aroused by the fact that this man desires her so much that he just has to have her. And, and it, while it look, while it could be painful, pleasure and pain, like the synapses, I mean, I mean, the, the receptors are so closely linked. I think that's, what's confusing to people too, because they're like, well, she's in pain. But when you're in a heightened state, again, like you're in with BDSM, if you're being spanked really hard, I mean, that is just can be very connected to to an arousal state as well. Being pain and pleasure, that helped explain. I have 
I have actually several friends I can think of who who are into BDSM who have explained who at least described like healing, like psychological, emotional sort of healing. Like they reach a point of catharsis where they think they can't handle it, and they can handle it, and then all of a sudden, like they're happier. Um, is there some element to that, that that's there in your experience? Yeah, I think in my, in my experience, I think it's different for everybody. For a lot of people, it can release a lot of like is that what they're saying? Like psychological barriers or wounds in in their life, so things that were holding them back, they were able to release like emotions in their body that were trapped in their body. Is that what you're saying? Memories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can be cathartic. Yeah, I, 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 I've heard that as well. I've heard the say. I've heard that people that it's been very healing, but you have to be in the right kind of relationship with like a trusting partner. You don't find this guy on Tinder. You don't like. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's usually trusting long term relate like or trusting. Yeah, you, you probably should. You probably should trust someone before you let them tie you up and listen. Exactly. You want to be dead. Make sure that they're experienced. That you have a safe word. And yeah, again, we're talking about the ranges of sexuality of sexual experiences that are out there and BDSM is one of them that isn't for everybody but for a lot of people it is it's 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 the most intense enjoyable kind of intimacy they've ever experienced in their life in any relationship like I didn't were married divorced got into BDSM and it like changed your life but I also think that the thing about it is it's like any kind of love or any kind of relationship it's finding the right partner to share it with. So you could also have a BDSM relationship that just doesn't work for you. But if you're both processing it together and you're on the same level, it can be very healing. That, that makes good sense to me. And, and to talk about pleasure receptors, uh, it reminds me, I do this unusual kind of electrical stimulation for like muscle and neurological growth. And it's, it's a really intense feeling that's kind of pain, but kind of not pain. And about 80% of people, they're like, okay, that hurts and they'll sit like, ow, and they're like fighting against these electrodes to, to do a bicep curl or whatever it is. But then the other 20% of people, they laugh uncontrollably from the exact same input. Right. And I, I actually have this theory that like if, if when you were a kid, like someone held you down and tickled you to where you just couldn't stand it. Right. That like that overwhelm neurologically like turns into like laughing. But if you're someone who didn't have that at whatever the formative time would be, then you're like, okay, that actually kind of hurts, but I can I can overcome that. Right. But it, it's funny, exactly the same input, very different feelings. So what you're talking about with something as intense like this, like BDSM or spanking yeah. or whatever, people can interpret the neurological input where for Absolutely. that person, like, ouch. The other person, it's like it pushes some other button. Right, exactly. And also, right. yeah, when you're hitting, like you're also hitting certain erogenous zones too. Like if you're slapping someone's ass, it's all, you know, it's all, there's so many nerve endings down there that it can feel really good. And there's also all these electrostimulation vibrators now too. Speaking of electrostimulation, there's a lot of technology happening with vibrators right now. So they put the electrodes on the vibrator itself? I've not tried it yet. I have like 16 of them in my office. But I can't. <laughs> your office must be the. I want to see your office. Just be like this wall of dildos. Well, there is. There's like flashlights. There's sex toys. I just got a Sibian. Like, what the hell am I going to do with that? It's like, yeah, I love. I mean, it's in my garage. Put it in your waiting room. What else would you do with that? I mean, no, I'm saying it's at my house now. I got to bring it to my office. Oh. Like, have a seat on the Sibian. No, the Sibian's amazing. I mean, if people don't know what That's, it is. Yeah, yeah, tell people what it is. But okay. I know what it is. If you ever listen to how if you ever, everyone knows it from Howard Stern. Yeah. It's a, um, it's like the lar it's the largest probably sex toy out there. It looks like a horse saddle and you sit on it and it's got all these contraptions and, um, and it's a very powerful orgasmic machine. But the interesting thing about Sibian is that it's been around for a long and Howard Stern used to have porn stars on and they, whatever, on his radio show in the heyday. Now he just does really good interviews, which I prefer. But the thing about <laughs> the Sibian is that 
Um, it's actually a really interesting tool for couples to use because there's been a lot of studies that they've done. I mean, they're a very successful company that, that the Sibian actually, for women who can't have orgasms with their partner or can't easily orgasm at all, if they use it with their partner there, there's like a training that they did with like, it was like a pretty oh, wow. good study that showed that when they use it together, like he was helping her, there's all these attachments. And then they transferred to the bedroom that like, a, you know, the highest percentage amount of women, like I would say it was like 90% of women were able to then have orgasms with their partner that they were not able to have. Before. Wow. So, so there's Best a training. Yeah. The training effects for orgasms, yeah. like an, almost like a Pavlovian response. Like my partner was there and I had this incredible robotic orgasm machine make me have an orgasm. So now they're associated in the brain and then you can get past whatever was holding you back. No, absolutely. Orgasms. That's cool. Definitely Pavlovian. I mean, aren't there certain sounds, smell, you know, sense? I mean, all of our, all of our senses are so involved in it. So you smell something or you hear something and it can get you aroused, but you can also rewire that and you can also train yourself. You know, if you just hear like a buzz of a certain vibrator or you think a certain thought, like women can like train themselves to have orgasms. Women can have orgasms just thinking. Does it work for guys? Not, not that machine, but like the, the idea of training guys. Cause I'm thinking I could train myself with bulletproof coffee to just like every time I drink it, like to have even more pleasure. Right. No, you never, you don't have to answer that. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> but yeah, you probably could. <laughs> I know that well, all right. coffee's brought a lot of people pleasure. Uh, that's true. Um, in yes. fact, all right, let, let's talk about eating for sex. Okay. I'm uh, not right. eating during sex. You know, the whipped cream thing that everyone right. in high school talks about that. that isn't very fun. Don't ever put anything sugary inside yeah. a woman. Bad, bad idea. <laughs> but one of the things that, that I found very consistently when I'm, I'm dealing with high performers, including myself and, and clients, when you want to be in, in that very focused state where you're able to have high physical and psychological or cognitive output, you've got to have adequate fuel. So if you have like, you know, a salad and then you're expecting to have like a marathon sex session, what's going to happen versus if you like eat something different before, like, like what should you, if you hear you, I'll just put it this way. What should you eat before sex to have like the most powerful sex? Well, it's not just about like one thing that you can eat before sex. It's about having an overall healthy diet. So if you smoke, you know, you eat a lot of meat, a lot of fatty foods, and you're not exercising, you probably are experiencing, you might be experiencing some problems sexually, or you will, if your diet continues to stay, you continue to have a poor diet and health and nutrition. So I wouldn't say there's a superfood, maybe um, MCT oil, I don't know. Um, you would be able to tell me that as a man, how it attacks you. But I, I would, I would just say that to, if you're having any challenges and your health isn't very good and you're not able to you know, maintain erections or whatever it is, a lot of it can do with your diet, your health, your exercise, and that the, and your endorphins. So the more that you exercise and the healthier that you eat, the, the more you're going to want to have sex and the more that you're going to, you're going to be a better lover. So. Well, the, uh, I kind of would look at sex as an intense workout, which it sort of is. So what would you do before and, and after a workout? Like that. And one of the things that really helps if you assume that sex is, is a, a, brain-based behavior as well as body-based, having more mitochondrial function, like more energy in your cells, more spark, is going to help you physically and to do whatever electrically happens during orgasm. Exactly. So like being hungry and having sex is probably a bad idea. Exactly. Uh, being stuffed and having sex is clearly not a good idea. No, do not have to go out for the big meal and then like try to have sex. It's so true. Right. But I would just say like, you know, try to keep it light. I mean, I would say try to have like a light meal with protein and something healthy. I mean, I don't think that there's like 
I don't think that it works that quickly on, you know, I don't know, just like take care of it, make sure that you're eating enough, but that you're eating something healthy. Drink a lot of water. Water can, especially for women, if the more water you drink, the more likely you're able to have orgasms. A lot of us are walking around dehydrated all the time and we don't even know. So, um, Interesting. yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think, um, what was the study I just I read? Um, what was it? It was something about water and how much water you should drink. Hold on, I'm thinking. Um, I can't remember. But it was something about water and orgasms and drinking. So be hydrated. Important. It would make sense for you dehydrated. All sorts of things aren't going to get as engorged as they should. Exactly. You want to engorge. Everything can. <laughs> well, speaking of engorgement, uh, another question from the forums. Uh, does size matter? And I mean, you, you've probably answered this a gazillion times on Loveline, but for Bulletproof listeners who haven't heard Loveline, yeah, no, it's a good uh, what's the short take on that? Um, size only matters to you, the guys, more than it matters to the women. Men worry about size. I mean, there have been studies that came out that said, like, for men, like, it's like 80% of men worry about it, and it's only like 30%, 20% of women actually really care about size. And and we are so not, as long as you know how to use all your body parts, it's not just about the penis. It's about your hands, your mouth. There's so many other, there's so many other tools at your disposal that women aren't looking at it like you are at all. And guys, not only are they worried about it, it's, it's actually inhibiting them from, and their actual performance. It's actually, it's, they're actually having less satisfying sex because they worry so much about the size of their penis. Now, that said, sure, there's some women who are like, I only would like a really large penis. Um, just like men only want a woman with large breasts. That's totally fine. But on average, the average penis is like six to seven inches. And I think that men think that they should be, or truly, you know, six to seven, that they should be so much bigger and that women are judging them. But as long as they're like taking care of, making sure that she's happy, they do not need to worry about it. It's just such a waste. It's, it's just a waste of, um, of, your, of your mental energy because it's not, women don't care as much. Some might, but not like you think at all. I mean, not going to go out screaming and running. Like, I wouldn't, never even hear those horror stories. Like, oh my God, a woman came over and she laughed right away because, no, like, you don't hear that. And in fact, even me and my girlfriends, like, sure, there's some who are like, oh, I want size. Very rarely. It's all on the dude's mind. So relax, right, guys. Worry about it. So size is all in your head. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I said that. Already. <laughs> um, wait, what was I going to say? Oh, what is it? Okay. Dehydration can affect your sex drive as well as driving. That's what it was. I, I had like, it was writing something up here. That's all of it. Cool. Yeah. Drink more right. water before sex. That was what I was trying to find. Um, so yeah, okay. size. Don't trip on it. All right. I've got one more question for you. I love and we'll it. Wrap up our, wrap up, wrap up our, our show. Um, and this one is, I think I know the answer to it, given your description of your, uh, of your laboratory there. <laughs> um, do vibrators desensitize women? Vibrators do not desensitize women. You can become attached to the way that you orgasm, just like we were talking about expanding how you experience pleasure. So, if you only, only only used your hand to orgasm, let's say, and that was the only way you could orgasm, I'd say you're missing out. I'd say try using, um, a, try rubbing yourself over your pants or try using lubricant. The thing is, 
The reason why people think it, they become desensitized to it is because they're using the same vibrator over and over again and they can't have an orgasm with their partner. So then I would say, abstain from it. I say, pull back, mix it up, don't use the vibrator for a week or two, go back to using your hands or using lube or even using a different vibrator, but it's not going to desensitize you. Great. Now we get to my real favorite question, which is the one that we end every interview with, which is based on all the stuff you know about sex, but also just about your life in general. Someone comes to you and they say, like, I want to be better at everything, whatever it is that they do. What are the three most important things they need to know? The three most important things I would say are to trust your instincts, trust yourself, because we have all the answers. A lot of times we have all the answers and we don't even realize that it's right inside of us. And that's a skill as well. Um, meditation, hugely helpful. Um, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, people get, because I used to do these 10 day sound treats where they say you have to do it or 10 minutes make a world of difference. Um, I also think that, that you have to understand that failure is a learning tool for us. It just, it's just like a step on the ladder to success and it's not really about failing. And what do they say is that how you fail, it's how you get back up. And so that's really changed my perspective because being an entrepreneur and building this brand over 10 years, it's, you know, it's been tough. And I realized that all those failures are these other things. So I would say just keep going. Follow your passion. Trust your instincts, meditation, and be willing to fail. Be willing to fail, accept your failure, and learn from your failure. If you don't learn from your failure, then there's no point. But learn from it. More you can get back up quickly. Well, thank you for sharing that extra knowledge that was not just about sex. I so can talk about more things than sex, sex Dave. Yeah. You, you absolutely can. Now, that said, we know your show is called Sex with Emily, and people can download it on iTunes, but where else can they find more about your work? Um, sexwithemily.com. Also, people, I, I'm on Twitter, so it's all, it's at Sex with Emily, and we send out, like, I write for um, Glamour, Harper's Bazaar, Men's Health, Women's Health, so I'm always tweeting out, like, articles, people love it, and then I've got this crazy Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash sexwithemily that's just blowing up, because we also put a lot of cool articles on there, people love that, and it's funny, because some people, like, know me through Facebook, but not the podcast, so I have all these ways that I'm dispersing information on the website, and then Instagram is at Sex with Emily, so it's Sex with Emily across the board. All right. Emily, it was a pleasure having you on Bulletproof Radio. Thank you so much. And I look forward to coming down and visiting Wait. you in Southern California. Come soon. I would love to see you. <laughs> Have an awesome, awesome evening and, uh, and a good class. And for people listening uh, to Bulletproof Radio here uh, in your car, if you're in Southern California, you should check out one of Emily's seminars. She's a leader in her field, literally has influenced millions of people, and it's totally worth your time. And what happens when someone like Emily's on Bulletproof Radio is that a bunch of Bulletproof people show up. So you can expect that you'll probably meet someone else who drinks Bulletproof Coffee. I can't wait to meet you. We should serve it at my next event. Oh, totally. Um, let's talk about that offline. I'll tell you. Okay. There's tons of events where they use it just because you have more energy and then you have more yeah. of whatever it is you're going to have. I'm going to have because i got to go teach oral sex for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so accepting that. That's my new, what? That's my new ringtone. <laughs> Thank you, Emily.
A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.